Welcome to Subscriptions for Authors. Meet your co-hosts, Michael Evans, sci-fi thriller author of a dozen novels, and Amelia Rose, a semi-romance author that makes six figures per year in subscriptions. Together, we will help you make more money with subscriptions and succeed in the future of publishing. Hello, everyone. This episode is going to be a ton of fun. It's with Jason Sizemore from Apex Books, who literally has hundreds of paying readers on his subscription, subscribed to speculative fiction magazines and zines and books that he's publishing through his small press Apex Books. In the process, he's working with tons of other authors and creatives and not only able to create a successful subscription for himself, but also for tons of other creative people that he's supporting through Apex Books. So we're going to learn all about how subscriptions can be really effective for small presses. And if you're not a small press owner listening to this, I know most of our listeners are authors. I think a lot of the things Jason talks about, you can take and apply to co-author subscriptions and other sorts of things you want to do. And in Subscriptions for Authors, we're really excited about co-author subscriptions. And we have a lot of really exciting developments that we're going to announce on that front, maybe a little foreshadowing. But before we officially dive into the podcast, I actually want to let you know that we have just one month, that's right, one month until the next cohort of the Six Figure Subscription Author Accelerator opens up. It's an incredible educational experience and group coaching that allows you to go from zero or wherever you are at in your subscription journey and accelerate you to taking six figures a year. It's four live group coaching sessions with a small group of authors, over 70 sessions of video and course material, and a bunch of other fun resources and bonuses to help you succeed in your subscription author journey. It's truly the best educational experience out there by far and so many of our authors in our first cohort are often already finding tremendous success and we're going to be sharing some of their stories over the next couple weeks as we prepare to launch this next accelerator and just show you what's possible it's so inspiring we have people like laura navarre who have already well over 20 paying members in just two months after starting kitty thomas is nearly at a thousand dollars a month after just launching for one week and closing it up i mean just incredible success that's coming from this and our authors have worked so hard we're so excited to share some of those stories with you. And we're so excited to potentially have you part of the second cohort. So if you want to join us, you can sign up for the wait list and you'll know when it comes out. It's only going to be open for a limited time. So I just wanted to give you guys a heads up so that you know to prepare for things and when it's coming. We're going to do the live coaching in January and February, but we're opening up so you can enroll in November. We'll place you on your team. You can get started with all the courses, get into the video sessions, dive deep into it. And me and Amelia will also be hosting some exclusive office hours as well. But enough of that. We'll talk more about that later. We still got some time. In the meantime, we get this podcast with Jason, which is going to be a ton of fun. Huge thank you to Jason coming on and a huge inspiration because what he's doing with the subscription is truly unique and awesome. Jason, welcome to the Subscriptions for Authors podcast. I'm really excited to have you on today because you have done so many incredible things at Apex Books, which I think we should let everyone know what Apex Books is and how it came to be before we actually get into talking about what you do on Patreon and how you serve authors and readers. So what is Apex Books? First, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and to talk with your audience about our little book company. Apex Books is what I call a progressive independent press that publishes speculative fiction in novel and short form in the short form collections and anthologies. We do both physical and ebooks. That's awesome. Yeah, you all have, I just looking at, and I'll link the website, it's apexbookcompany.com. The design of your anthologies, even your merch. I'm like, this is just very cool. Oh, thank Be- you. Before we talk about how Apex has grown and what it's doing today, I'd love to talk about 
your origin story and how this all began because you have been in the writing world for a very long time. But Apex was something that started also quite a while ago, but not immediately. So tell me what got you into this. Yeah, back in 2004, I was working for the city government of Lexington, Kentucky in risk management, which is the insurance and risk mitigation portion of city government. As you can imagine, that was a very exciting job for a creative type like myself. I was a software developer and was functioning as a admin person for them. The nature of the job was basically draining me and I needed to do something for myself in terms of creation and art. And at the time I knew a couple of genre writers here in Lexington. Christopher Rowe and Gwenda Bond, and they ran this really cool saddle-stitched zine called Say, and I was a dedicated reader, really liked what they were doing, and thought, okay, I want to do that, and because I always like to bite off more than I could chew, I was like, okay, I want to do that, except I'm going to have it nicely bound, and I want to get a distributor and have it available to the world. And we did that. We got a distribution deal with Ingram, and that lasted for three years. By the time we finished our run of 10, was it 12 issues, we had circulation of about 4,000 and was in like... 1100 Barnes Nobles. So that's awesome. I decided, okay, ebook revolution is coming. I just don't know how this print zine stuff is going to work here in a couple of years. So I decided to redirect the energies of the company, me, to publishing books. And print on demand at the time was really starting to improve. And I thought, okay, I'll just do an anthology and invite writers that I had published in the Digest. And on that very first anthology, it's called Egresomnia, The Darkest Dreams of Mankind, picked up a Stoker Award nomination for Best Anthology. And that was probably the best and worst thing to ever happen because... I immediately got the the book publishing bug and have been doing it ever since. So right around 2007, 8 is when that happened. Wow. And then you went full time sometime around 2016, right? Yeah. In 2016, I had a bit of money saved. It's a nice job with insurance benefits, and we both were like, yeah, let's make this happen. Let's give this a shot. On a whole, it's been pretty successful. In the middle of that, I had some health issues that derailed things for a little while, but now we're back going full steam. And I mentioned we were doing PLD for everything, and now we're switching, trying to switch to a more traditional distribution model with offset printing and hopefully have everything we publish eventually available in bookstores. That What an incredible journey that you've had just over a decade, really, being able to, from just you and your incredible writers, be able to like actually build a force in speculative fiction, especially because as so many of the big houses have really shut down a lot of their speculative fiction imprints or there's cost changes, all these things where it's this sort of system in the traditional sense to be able to help writers have editing, all these sorts of things is much more difficult. But I'm there's a lot to talk about here because one, you've worked with so many writers at this point and in different contexts as well, because you served as a developmental editor as well, which do you still do any of that editing work for Apex or are you more like big picture and you hire out <laughs> that work? What's your uh, role? No, now? I still do a lot of that work. Wow. 
Yeah, that's the fun stuff. So I can't let that go. Good. And through that process, especially like when you're bringing together some of the anthologies that you've done, the different collections, the zines, what has been some of the challenges, but then also some of the amazing parts of like ultimately bringing creatives together, creating a joint work that might have 10 writers involved. What have you learned from that? I've learned that it's a lot more work than even a experienced publisher would imagine if they've never done an anthology before. There's just the paperwork involved. There's with the novel, there's one author usually with an anthology you're dealing with. 20 plus people and anthologies also are harder to get funded because generally the business genre you're supposed to pay for short fiction up front so you gotta have that stash of money ready before you start work on the book as opposed to a novel the advance that we're able to pay is usually less than the total sum of all the short stories in an anthology so financially and then there's just lots more communication and lots more people to rope in for marketing it's it's a fun process it's also exhausting so it's not for everyone but if you like to work with many people at once it's a good way to go yeah i know quite a few one small presses who do of course anthologies as well but a lot of indie authors will get together and try and do a similar sort of thing and it's always the person who's leading it and like in your case apex books being the publisher it's always a lot of work but it can be a really great thing to get new writers exposure because you're mm -hmm. having a collection that readers can now go through all these different stories and speaking of collections that you offer to your readers of course this is descriptions for authors podcast so a lot of people here are interested in people who are growing successful patrons successful subscriptions and you have over 250 readers who are paying for like a digital magazine that you're doing you've iterated that what what's that process been like in starting that digital magazine that you've now monetized through subscription i think it's such a cool thing yeah the patreon has been a very positive thing for us and as you mentioned we've got a decent sized group of backers over there i love being able to offer them the sweet benefits of rewards that we do and that revenue stream has turned out to be very important, partially because Amazon recently canceled the Kindle periodicals program, which was the way that we were selling subscriptions through Amazon. So now we're, that's just fine. It gives us more time to focus on Patreon and building that up. And we also do direct subscriptions and we sell subscriptions through Weightless Books, which is a nice little independent ebook shop. That's awesome. I didn't know about Weightless Books. What do they do? Is it like an online independent bookstore? Like you have a store? Is it mm. in person? Okay, online independent bookstore. Yeah, it's that's an online awesome. independent ebook store. Okay, that's great. So you have the subscription there, you have the subscription to magazine on your own site, and you have the subscription to magazine on Patreon. So all these different places, but ultimately the same product. And I know on Patreon, you have a lot of different tiers where the higher tiers are also getting a discount to the store on your site that has all of the author's books in it, or at least a lot of the titles you publish. Yeah, running a digital zine isn't necessarily a major profit center. <laughs> so, you know, you got to leverage the cross promotion opportunities as much as possible and so that's something that we do as much as we can we do keep what i think of as the magazine as holistic in that all the content is from submissions doesn't matter if you've been published with us or not but we do try to promote our title our book stuff 
quite a bit through the magazine, just mm. through ad placement on the website or ad inside the ebook edition of the magazine. Uh, Plus yeah. with the Patreon, since we have it all integrated, you get the books and the magazine. We have different reward tier options for one or the other or for both. We're able to cross pollinate that way as well. So smart. Yeah, you have that whole little ecosystem. And I'm curious because one I can see now once a fan, once a reader finds out about Apex, starts reading one of your things, I can see the clear way that they can get lost in all the different <laughs> worlds. But how have you found your readers up to this point as a publisher? I know there's always collaboration in terms of the marketing that you do with third parties, then also authors. But what has worked for you in being able to start to build Apex's readership and by proxy your author's readership? I think probably the obvious one would be social media. I had a lot. I've been on Twitter since it started, Facebook since it started, and had a bit of a grassroots effort in building our readership that way. Cool. I think we're up to 28,000 Twitter followers. That's awesome. Yeah, and it blows my mind that we have that many people following us. That that fills up the stadium. Easily. Yeah. The other day I noticed that I can't remember his name, but he's the he's from he's the alien guy that has been mean to death. Who says I'm not saying it's aliens, but oh. it was aliens. That dude he follows yeah. us, and I was like, oh okay, now it we've reached the pinnacle of fame. It's perfect too because Apex literally is the alien. Yeah. The logo. <laughs> I, I wonder that. if that's what drew him to us. He's like, oh alien. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that's funny. So Twitter has been a good place for you, I guess being there for such a long time it's more of a community that you just have built there like you said grassroots so that's very interesting you have the twitter following and then you have been able to with that get some of those people i'm sure to be a part of the mailing list that you have obviously part of the subscriptions you have and then also a part of just supporting the authors at local bookstores and all these sorts of things i it's a great system i'm curious though I don't want to totally derail the conversation, but how do you feel about Twitter, recent developments in terms of you've built this audience on a platform that it's changing. I'll put it that way. It's gone through a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. How has that impacted you over the last year? How has that, that gone? Yeah, it impacted the whole publishing business. Heck, even the, the big four New York publishers all rely heavily on social media. Yeah. Mostly through author outreach because fans like to interact with their favorite writers online. And Twitter is the easiest way to do it. Yeah, there was about a month where we really worried that we were going to lose. We got the 28,000 Twitter followers for the magazine and then went on the book side we have 15,000. So that's, that's a lot of people to lose. But if the fascist shenanigans had continued, like it looked like they might, we were definitely, we were like, we're going to be leaving. But it turns out not to be as bad as we feared. A lot of the stuff that goes on Twitter is not pleasant, but there's still a lot of good sides to Twitter and lots of good people using it. So I'm glad that we were able to stick around and uh, still be a part of it community yeah because i'm not sure that an online community could have been formed as maturely as the one that we have on twitter on a different social platform facebook is too constricting too yeah. greedy and we have all these other upstarts like mastodon who i just don't feel are ready to play in the tight in the scope that twitter is able to provide it's hard to uproot an entire culture that exists in a platform and just 
and copy it somewhere else. Doing that is nearly impossible to a certain mm-hmm. extent. So you can, you'll get bits and pieces of it elsewhere, but I'm glad to hear it hasn't been like, it's still there and still trucking along, even if it's bumpy road. That's ultimately a very good thing. What I'm really curious to hear about is how you have been able to take the writers that you work with. And if I know right now you're close to submissions, but let's say you work with a new writer or you're working with a writer in their career, where do you say, okay, I've always been curious to ask someone who's a publisher and not just an author this, how do you determine if a book is successful and if you're going to continue working with a writer? And for a writer looking to work with especially a small press, because there's lots of small presses that are either have been started in the last 10 or 15 years coming in this digital age or who are getting a start now. And I love them. They're great. What would be your advice to an author who's trying to work for a small press? How do you make that a great time for both you and the publisher? What's your general advice there? Oh, I could spend several hours on this topic. It's pretty pretty important one. So I'll start out by saying that conventions and the personal experience are probably the most important way of getting a foot in the door at small press. And this also ties a little bit back to your previous question about this building an audience through the services, you know, so like Patreon and Direct. We do a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but I do try to make a couple of appearances a year at the professional level conferences for genre. There's the World Fantasy, there's the World Science Fiction Convention, StokerCon, which is for horror. It's important because I get to meet lots of up-and-coming writers that way at these conferences. And it's a trust is a two-way street. I want to meet the people that I'm going to work with. And as a writer, you should always be protective of your own brand and your artistic self. So you should be very cognizant of the type of people that you may be getting in the bed with in terms of having your work published. And there's no better way to do it than getting to know someone over a couple of drinks or over a coffee. Granted, it's not perfect, never is, but it certainly beats a random email or just going out and researching someone. There's the aspect of you've got to learn patience, just in publishing in general, but in small press, we're all struggling with resources. Like for Apex, we have just me and one other person that's full-time, and then we have a team of four or five others who put in 10 hours a week, 10, 20. It's not a lot of person hours available. So things can take a while, or they can just due to the lack of resources, not get done. And yet, as the author, you just have to realize that's part of the small press game. Uh, To make up for that, though, as the writer, you get a lot more control over how the book is published. Art edits are usually a lot more flexible. Plus, you're helping nourish the only ecosystem that publishing has other than the big four in New York conglomerates. So if you're working with small press, it's good to help keep that little system going too, along with the self-publishing crew. Yeah. That was a long rambling answer, but I I hope that I was able to get the point across. No, I think that's really helpful. I think the advice too on just you don't be a stranger, like just trying to submit 
to a bunch of different places, send a diff bunch of different cold emails, like especially when working with a small press, it's about the people and the story and knowing that there is going to be a fit in working together. And that is something, you know, when you go to a big four publishing house, it's all oh, it's random house, whatever. And that brand name gets the writer in, but a lot of times they're not treated the best. And a lot of times a mm -hmm. writer just gets put into that big system. There's broken promises. The publisher promotes, they get a group of 10 books in a specific subgenre. They're going to really focus on two of them and the other author is mm -hmm. going to get ignored. And that can be very challenging as a writer when your advance might not get paid out and then feel pretty powerless in that. So it's interesting. And then of course, on the indie side of things, there's a lot of indie authors. I especially, what's interesting is I've been a part of the teen writing community on Instagram, which I feel like we're not teens. I'm not teen anymore. I'm 21, but we were teens when we started. And it's interesting because this is a younger generation that's grown up where indie publishing was an option from day one. And it is like something that's been very obvious. Most of them have indie published books. But I have a lot of friends who have increasingly wanted to sign and work with small presses because of the collaborative aspect with the idea that they don't have to have it completely all on their shoulders. It is something that I've seen become more attractive to writers. So it's really helpful to hear from you how writers can consider that. I also think it, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. I think a writer who focuses solely on getting their books out to New York is playing. It can be a dangerous game because, you know, what happens if your house is consolidated with someone else? You probably lose your editor, but they still have your rights. So there's not a darn thing you can do about it. And your book is in limbo for five years. So then you're not earning and you may have some kind of exclusivity agreement with that publisher. So even if you wanted to write, and submit, it, it can be a mess. So, you know, if you are prolific enough and you have the work available to sell, think about some of your more fringe works going to a quality small press, or if you have a title that might succeed in the indie publishing world, certainly go for it that way as well. I'm an advocate of trying all three routes. Yeah. Yeah, it's important. Well, at the end of the day, you want to get your work out in the world and you want to have it be the best story possible. And it's diff different stories, different stages of people's careers maybe demand different options, but being hybrid ultimately, both in platform and how you do things. And you've definitely done that as a company, right? Because you are very hybrid, just looking at all the different revenue streams you have coming in. You've got the merchandise, the anthologies, the novels, novellas. You've got all the different bookstores. workshops now. <laughs> the workshops too. Yeah. And the workshops mm -hmm. are great. I'm curious for you how over the last 15 years have, especially even you've gone full time the last five or six, how has those revenue streams evolved in the sense of was, I'm guessing in the beginning, novels weren't th a thing at all. Is that your biggest one now writing workshops? How's that going? I love who you have coming in, by the way. It's so reminds me a lot of what Futurescapes does. I don't know if you're familiar with Futurescapes. Yeah, they're great. I'm, I'm curious for you what kind of where you've seen subscriptions to the significance of those revenue streams. Where's kind of that pie right now of the Apex business? Is where that the largest revenue comes in. Yeah. What are those streams? Like a lot of authors, like indie authors will say like Amazon's my biggest one. And then these are the other retailers, but you obviously have a very different model, which I think is fascinating. <laughs> Sad to say, but I'd say Amazon still makes up probably at least half mm -hmm. our income. We, that's just where people prefer to buy their books and our Patreon plays a very big role and sometimes can almost match what Amazon is bringing in each month. Wow. Yeah, I would love it to to get 
to the point where Patreon is doing way better. But generally the book side of things is where most of the money is coming in. The workshop program that we've started is still pretty new and we're still getting the word out about it. It's bringing in some nice money, but it definitely second fiddle to the books. The magazine, it on paper, we're probably running in the red on the magazine, but there's a lot, I find that there's a lot of benefit to having the magazine in terms of brand recognition, reach, notoriety, just the cross-pollinization that we talked about earlier. So yeah. yeah, it's this whole hybrid model, I think is the way to go for a small press. It certainly is a lot of work. Any small business is a lot of work and you got to treat your press as a small business, which I think if you're a writer, and you're looking to get into the small press, you definitely want an editor who has some business sense, a publisher that has some business sense. I yeah. just kind of ran out of steam on that one, but I do completely agree with your assessment of the versatility of the hybrid model. I'm curious because with hybrid, and you mentioned this, like there's so much different projects going on. And obviously, as no matter who's listening, whether you're someone who's starting a small press or an author you, with a day job or a full-time author with all these different things, we all have a lot of different projects going on. And I'm curious from a project management perspective, I can only imagine just the number of titles, different <laughs> releases you have going on in a year. It's a whole whole other level. How how do you literally manage that and stay sane, stay productive, stay, I guess, like you said, you love the development and editing. You love being in the story. How do you not get bogged down by all this other stuff that is fun, but not maybe as fun as like literally being <laughs> inside of a fantasy world? Yeah, the people who work for me tease me. They tell me I can be forgetful, but at the same time, I'd like to point out to them just the incredible amount of things going on at any one minute. So I'm surprised that I'm able to remember what I do remember. I do have one person dedicated to handling the project management side of most of the company, Rebecca Treasure. Nice. She's awesome. She keeps me sane and she's so very important to what we do. Also, my editing partner, Leslie Connor, is also a super organized person and she handles a lot of the magazine stuff, which frees up my time. Amen. I just stumbled into getting to know those two great people and have been blessed to, to call them co-workers. Very happy for you. And that's so cool to hear. I bet there's, you got to find the right person who's so passionate about Apex and about what you're doing to be there. But when you get that person, it's just, I can imagine how fun that is. It's surreal that there are people as passionate as I am about this little publishing company I created, but also it's, they're the people that really know all this possible. So I'm also grateful <laughs> that they have found their passion with what we're doing. Yeah, no, that's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. One thing I'm curious about, because mentioning that your subscription is now a significant revenue stream, that's to la launch a Patreon, launch anything is hard and it's now going well. And I think your offering is great, but in terms of like the literal, Hey, I'm going to let my audience know about this. That's something I see a lot of people have a question about. It's very stressful because I'm all of a sudden asked my audience to support me in a way, support us, what we're doing and open up their wallets and pay monthly, which can also be a big ask for a lot of people. How did you go about that? Was it something you just put on your Twitter and your mailing list or was there a more concerted effort? A lot of it was social media. I used to be the sole person behind all of our social media accounts. So oh, wow. I was able to give voice 
to the exact kind of branding and attitude and mood that I wanted the company to convey. And then we brought people into the fold who had been following us for a while and they know exactly what to say and do now on social media. I want to point out that we have had, we have a pretty sizable mailing list as well. And that's been a great help. And I really don't think I've done anything special other than just being around for a very long time. You accrue people in these lists. I've probably got newsletter members who've been around for 15 years. And and then the conferences. I used to do a lot of conferences, a lot more than I do now, partially because COVID killed off most of the smaller ones. But I used to just travel all the time and go and be like a guest panelist at conferences. And I felt like I probably met just about everyone that was interested in reading a science fiction book at some point since 2005. So That's the conference is amazing. Traveling is really difficult, but were you also a vendor selling books to those conferences and anthologies as well? Or was it just Most you? of the time, yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up. I'll bet you a large portion of our customer base or people that I just may not have even sold a book to at that conference, but just spoke with at the table and just they either thought, this books look cool. I'll go to his website later or they're like, Hey, I like talking to that country dude. Maybe I'll try out something when I get some more money. I used to get bummed out because I would go to these conferences and be a vendor. And I don't have a very aggressive salesman tactic. I'm very shy and laid back. And so when people would come to the table and ask me about the books, certainly I would talk to them, but I wouldn't give the hard sales pitch. And while I think that hurt us at the shows, it did help build relationships with that paid fruit down the road. That's actually, I think, such a helpful thing for people to hear because so many of us as authors, especially we're shyer, right? Like we, we're very mm-hmm. passionate what we're doing, but we do not want to be salesmen at all. And to hear that there's actually a benefit in that because I can see that myself. It gets a little annoying when like every table you go to, everyone's just trying to sell you. So they just get written off in your mind. But then they go to you and it's, oh, I actually had a conversation with him. And you know, that it was a great conversation. I'm going to look at him again and see maybe later yeah. if I want to go to his website, check it out more. Yeah, I hear jokes about, ah, I'd go to the vendor hall, the smell of desperation chokes me or whatever. And when I'm vending, yeah, I certainly want you to buy a book. And while I'm talking to you, I am thinking, I'm trying to place images in your head of you giving me a 20 for a book. That's not like really my focus at that moment, though. I figured that if they like what I had to sell, that they will come back for it either at the show or later online or in rare instances in the bookstore. So if your listeners, I think the takeaway here is don't underestimate the personal touch in every step of the process from meeting other people in the field, other editors and publishers who you may need to turn to for advice and help at some point to the writers that you will meet, the relationships you build with customers at the tables and at events, that's all very important too. You don't have to be an extrovert to make these work. In fact, most people in the publishing business probably would identify as an introvert. You just have to not be an asshole. That's a good, as a takeaway, amazing advice. And I'm curious, because does this extend, because I can tell you are just a genuine person and 
I know this comes through online too, like this idea that like online, it feels like we're always being sold to. Would you say that like this same idea that you've done in-person conventions, this focus on like long-term relationship building, is that kind of your approach online as well with places like Twitter? And I know you all have an Instagram. Would that be a similar type of thing? When it's a company mouthpiece, like our Twitter account or Facebook account, we do a lot of like announcements about sales and updates. But when it comes to my personal stuff, I do talk a bit about Apex and the things that we have going on. But also, I do try to remain, keep it personal and interesting, not just be a sales salesman for the company. Yeah. No, you're ultimately a member of the community. You're someone who loves sci-fi, fantasy, and horror as much as all the readers. And I'm curious for you if there's any last advice you'd share with writers who are looking to ultimately get out there, whether it's on the convention floor, have their own subscription or out on social media, what your advice would be to writers who are looking to take this next step in their careers and ultimately do what you did, which is chip it away for years and now you're full time doing doing this, which is incredible. I think if you're in your journey, if you're early in your journey, you'll find that People will give you money because they want to see you succeed. So let's say I was Jason Sizemore, the writer, and I started a Patreon to promote my writing. Sure, I've had a few short stories published over the years, but mostly I'm not known as a writer. I may get 10 or 15 people to give a dollar or two each month who just want to support me because they know me or like something I've done in the past. And don't be afraid to embrace that. There are people out in the world who root for you and you you may be surprised at who shows up and tosses you a dollar or two. Past that, once you show quality, then you'll start getting more people. And when you show promise and then you'll get more people, they'll be like, okay, I'm going to take a bet on this guy. Here's five bucks a month. Just don't let yourself doubt and don't let imposter syndrome keep you from fulfilling what your goals are you may have a goal of okay i want to make a hundred bucks a month selling my fiction to backers you're not an imposter as long as you're succeeding it you're filling your rewards and you've gotten your hundred bucks a month why do you feel like you don't deserve that you do because the people backing you have decided that you do people lose that perspective pretty quickly that's incredible advice. And a really important reminder too, because it's very easy as writers, just in general, as people too, to feel like we're not worthy of the things and to maybe not mm. feel like we can do it and to take that step forward. But well, imposter syndrome is certainly real. And heck, I've been editing for almost 20 years now. And there are times where I still lead workshops for Apex, like once every month or two. And I'll come up with a topic and think, gosh, should I really be leading this? What do I know about this? And then I have to have a friend or a colleague tell me, you've only published 138 issues of magazine. I think you know a little bit about this. So then I'm like, oh, okay. Internally, I'm probably still thinking I'm still an imposter, but at least I can fake it until I make it, right? So <laughs> I'll do the workshop. The feeling never really goes away, but it's important to have people to be like, hey, no, Jason, you're- You got you're to, yeah, 
got to have those advocates. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so important. Jason, this has been an incredible conversation. And my last question is just where can we find you and Apex online? Yeah, our website is apexbookcompany.com. Uh, the magazine is apex-magazine.com. You can find me on Twitter, Apex Jason, although I would encourage you to just follow the Apex Twitters. They're a lot more active on social than I am. I'm mostly on Facebook these days, but if you go to our website, you can find all the links to all our social medias. It's awesome. It's so cool. Yeah, I love it. And if you go to the websites, but you really should, you'll see some really pretty covers. And it's just worth a look if, if you, especially if you're a speculative fiction author listening, which I am myself, so I'm like definitely a fan. So Jason, this was amazing. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. And that's it for this episode with Jason. I mean, what an amazing guy. Brilliant, super nice, and he just shared all of his insights so generously with us. So definitely recommend checking out Apex Books. Huge thank you to Jason for coming on. And if you're interested in learning more about subscriptions, I recommend checking out our book. We have a free book all about subscriptions you can get for signing up our mailing list at subscriptionsforauthors.com. We also have a ton more resources on our website, a Facebook group, a free summit we recorded, dozens of podcast episodes, just so many resources to help you dive into your subscription. And then, when you're ready, the next cohort of the Six Figure Scription Author Accelerator will be opening soon. But in the meantime, I hope everyone has an amazing rest of their day. And don't forget, storytellers rule the world.